Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode of Rudder Dead is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders. Have you tried out Book Riot Insiders? If not, your time is now. It's our resource specially designed for our fellow book nerds, and you can try it for free for two weeks. There are different levels available, so you can decide what perks you want from a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter to exclusive podcasts and giveaways. And speaking of perks, we've got a new release index curated by resident philosopher Liberty Hardy, so you can see the most exciting new books coming out in the next few months. Check it out and sign up for your 14-day free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 57, and we are recording on Tuesday, July 30th. I'm Katie McLean-Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? Good. I cannot believe it's July 30th. It, like, didn't click in my head until you just said that. (laughs) Well, it clicked in my head when I was looking at the new releases for this episode, and some of them are coming out in August. And I went, wait a minute, when did August happen? August (laughs) isn't supposed to be here. (laughs) It really doesn't, like, I mean, I know people talk about this all the time, but legitimately July felt like a blink of an eye to me. I I think I feel this more every year. I feel like I'm just missing summer. And I'm not super into hot weather, but I hate winter so much now that I feel like every warm day that passes me by and I haven't like stopped and fully acknowledged it, it just it just makes it go by that much faster. And I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah, I think part of it is because we don't like we live it feels like winter is like five months long and summer is like two if that um so it feels like especially once you get to the end of july even though it doesn't make a difference to us because it's not like we have summer vacations or like big summer breaks like we were kids um so like technically if summer continues on through september and october we can still take advantage of it just as much as we can now but something about like the fact that it's already august feels really weird to me yeah, I it it again it just reminds me of all the things that I have been meaning to do that at some point, you know, during the nebulous time frame that is the summer and it just hasn't happened yet. So, um if anyone knows how to make time, you know, slow down, that'd be great. Or if you have a time turner from Harry Ooh, Potter, we could also yeah. use one of those. Yeah, if you have a spare time turner, hit us up. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we jump into the episode, I have our first sponsor, and that is William Morrow Books, who have just published Never Have I Ever. It's just a game, Never Have I Ever. But what if you had? What if it's something so bad, so shameful, you do anything to keep it a secret? What if your worst enemy knew and was determined to expose you? How far would you go to protect yourself? Amy is about to find out that in this game, even winning could be deadly. Never Have I Ever pits Amy against Rue in a game of cat and mouse as each fights to maintain the lives that mean everything to them. So this is a new domestic suspense book that is out. Um, it's been on Library Reads Hall of Fame. Um, it's the August 2019 Indie Next pick. It's a uh, from New York Times bestselling 
author Jocelyn Jackson. Um, so if you are a fan of domestic suspense books, then you can go ahead and pick up Never Have I Ever by Jocelyn Jackson. And thanks so much to William Morrow for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so if you are new to the show, welcome. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We are so happy to have you all listening to us in your ears. Um, if this is your first time on the show, just know that we talk about mystery, suspense, thrillers, true crime, and everything that fits under that giant umbrella. So it can be movie adaptations, it can be stuff that's happening in the news, big uh, news related to your favorite authors, um, themed uh, reading lists, talking about different subgenres. I mean, pretty much anything goes here. We make up all the rules. It just has to be related to mystery and suspense. And as always, we put out a request for any, if any of our listeners have any ideas that they think would be interesting for us to talk about on the show, you can always uh, let us know with these episode ideas. We'll have our contact information at the end of the show. Um, and even if you don't have an episode idea, you know, we just, we just like chatting with people too. So feel free to let, to let us know, um, if you like the show, if you have any ideas that you think would be cool for us to talk about. All of that stuff is awesome and we love hearing from you. Um, so with that, I'm just gonna go ahead, jump feet first into our, into our usual news segment. Um, first off, this news was from a couple of weeks ago, but I kept forgetting to mention it. Um, if you watch, uh, season one of Mindhunter on Netflix, I think that might have been last year. I don't think it was two years ago. At any rate, season two is premiering on August 16th. So as we just indicated, August is coming up very quickly. So you don't have too much longer to wait. Um, so yeah, it's August 16th on Netflix. Um, same same uh, cast as far as I know. Um, I believe David Fincher is still behind this season. Um, the, if you saw the first season, you know that it's 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 fascinating, but it's also real. It's also really intense and really, really dark. So I imagine season two will be more of the same. And I guess it just goes without saying. I am super excited. <laughs> and then in terms of adaptation news, if you uh, have read Blood Orange by Harriet Tice, it came out. Ooh, I want to say last year. It was either early this year or late last year. I just don't know how time works anymore, and I can't remember. <laughs> I read it. I feel like it was either it was definitely last year. Well, you know what? I actually just pulled up the article in question. It says the novel was published earlier this year. So, oh, okay, maybe it was. Okay, I also don't know what to, how time works anymore either. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, anyway, that's Blood Orange by Harriet Tice. It has been picked up for, I believe, a uh, TV adaptation. Um, we really don't have much news beyond uh, the fact that it's been picked up, but it is a psychological suspense novel. It's supposed to be really good. So we'll have more news as it comes out. But just know that if you're putting books on your adaptation radar, make sure to get this one on there. That's uh, Blood Orange by Harriet Tice. All right. Also, another adaptation that's coming out, um, Jack Reacher is becoming a TV series in for Amazon. Uh, so if you are like, hey, I thought we already heard about a Jack Reacher television show like Katie and I were when we first saw this article, uh, you're correct. They originally announced that it was being like written and created, but I think now the news is that Amazon is officially picking it up and developing it. Um, Amazon also did the Jack Ryan TV show that came out uh, 2016 or 2017. It was a couple of years now, I think. Again, we already established that. I have no idea how time works. Um, so <laughs> I could be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, the 
team or like the studios that are behind the Jack Ryan TV show are also now behind this Jack Reacher TV show. And yes, I'm trying very hard not to mix up those names because that's too similar. Um, so if you aren't aware, uh, the Jack Reacher series follows a military veteran, um, who lives, um, as a freelance investigator and problem solver. This is, you know, a million dollar selling series. I'm sure all of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you are a fan of uh, the Jack Reacher series, it is will be coming to Amazon soon. Um, and then in other news, um, Laura Lippman has signed a five book deal. Laura Lippman has written a number of like mystery uh, books, but her new deal includes three novels, a short story collection, and a book of personal essays, which will be her first nonfiction release. Um, so obviously, there isn't going to a lot of information about what any of the books are besides that general information. But if you are a fan of Laura Lippman's, there are more books coming out from her. And then, um, in kind of like interesting bigger news, Dean Kuntz signed a five book deal with Amazon. Um, Dean Kuntz sells so many books. And the fact that he signed an Amazon specific deal, I think is just kind of interesting because Amazon is trying so hard to be a publisher now. Um, they signed, I feel like the only other one that like stuck out in my head in terms of like writers that they've signed was, uh, they signed a deal with Mindy Kaling. Um, and they've been doing like, exclusive stuff for Kindle, obviously, for a little bit. And now they're coming out with more like exclusive content for Audible. Um, so this deal um, includes a short story collection called Nameless that'll be available for free to Amazon Prime and Kindle Unlimited customers this November, as well as an, available as an Audible audiobook. Um, the first, first full-length novel in will be titled Devoted and is set to be released next spring. Um, and so if you are someone who reads via Kindle or through Amazon, then you have these to look forward to. Um, it, I think this is interesting just because Dean Koontz is such a household name for a certain type of reader. And that type of reader in my head is like the library patron. So having Dean Koontz do an Amazon only thing I think is interesting, but maybe he has the numbers and he knows he sells really well on Amazon and doesn't necessarily need to do as much print. Um, or maybe he's just curious to see how it works. I don't know, but I think it's just kind of interesting to have someone who sells that many books to be an Amazon exclusive author for a little bit. Well, you just took the thought right out of my head. <laughs> my, <laughs> we're all, I'll say my, my, the extension of that thought is, Libraries, I mean, with an as an Amazon exclusive offer, libraries probably are not going to be able to really gain access to these books for their patrons. I mean, they might be able to purchase them as Kindle books for their digital collections, but for patrons who only read in print, they're not going to get to read these books, and that's really stinky. Um, so. I mean, there's obviously there's more information that will be coming out as this deal kind of progresses. But I have seen other librarians with the with the same thought of like, well, thanks a pant load, Amazon. <laughs> like our our patrons now, we're gonna have people asking about it. Then we're like, oh yeah, it's digital only, and they're gonna be super upset. So <laughs> yeah, part of me is also wondering because I know that Amazon does technically have, I think, a print imprint. I could be wrong about that, but I feel like I've heard of that before. And like part of the problem is that like bookstores don't necessarily want to carry an Amazon imprint physical book. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if it'll be possible to purchase physical 
versions of this, but it's just going to be that Amazon is publishing them. But it doesn't it doesn't say anywhere in the article that it they will or won't, or how like the full length novels will be distributed. Like so far, the short story collection is we know for sure is only going to be digital as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess there's a possibility that they could print a printed version of the books, um, but it's just isn't included and i don't know how it works with library systems either so <laughs> well i i do order uh print fiction for for my library so i can keep you updated on whether or not this will be accessible uh someone else who who covers digital um digital titles so i don't i don't um have any control over that collection but print wise i can keep everyone updated <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say I would be actually really interested to see if it does pop up in catalogs or anything like that as a potential thing to purchase. Because I'm sure that even bookstores, I mean, actually, I don't know how like much independent bookstores like care about like those types of books, because unless you are like a mystery specific bookstore. Um, but I feel like if you're a bookstore, like a physical bookstore who sells a lot of Dean Koontz books, you're going to be really upset if you can't have that to sell mm-hmm. in the spring or whatever too. So yeah. We we will let you know as the plot progresses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And then um before we jump into the heart of this um the heart of this week's episode, I have our second sponsor, which is TBR, Book Riot's new subscription service for tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Um, if you have been dreaming about a stitch fix for books, you've got it. This is TBR. Um, you can tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for, and then just sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or just recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. You can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Sign up only takes a few minutes. Answer a couple questions about what you like to read and what you're looking for, link up your Goodreads profile if you have one, and you're done. Your um, The TBR subscribers are matched to bibliologists based on their requests and their interests. Whether you love thrillers and want to read more romance, or if you're looking for poetry by authors of color, maybe some space opera, Book Riot has someone who knows just what to choose for you. Each TBR delivery contains three titles in the recommendations only level, or three new hardcovers, and you will receive a new shipment every three months. Give your bibliologist feedback, update your request to stay in line with your reading goals and expanding horizons, and basically have your own personal book concierge. The recommendations only level is $15 per quarter or $49 a year. Hardcover level is $75 a quarter plus $4.79 shipping, although annual subscribers will receive free shipping. Uh, recommendations only is available worldwide, whereas hardcovers are only available in the U.S. What If this sounds like something that you would be interested in, um, make sure to check out uh, TBR. And again, the website to sign up for TBR is mytbr.co. And we thank them very much for sponsoring the episode. All right. So our main topic for this episode is Scottish mysteries. And this was actually a topic recommendation from a listener, um, someone who had recently traveled to Scotland and was reading Scottish mysteries. And uh, she had mentioned that she read Ian Rankin and Peter May. And so she was just wondering if we had any other Scottish mysteries uh, for her to read while she was missing the country and with the hope of traveling back there, um, at least through the pages for now. Um, so each of us picked up a different Scottish author to check out. So um, I can kick things off. Um, I ended up reading The Dead Hour by Denise Minna. 
Um, so this is actually the second book in the Hold on, I need to just make sure. I think it's just the character's name, Patty Meehan series. Um, and I meant to pick up the first book in the series, and then my library just didn't have it available, so it just was not going to happen in time for this show. So I just picked up the second book in the series, which I think was totally fine. So if you are someone who's like super adverse um, to picking up books out of order, the first book in the series is called Field of Blood, just so you guys are aware. Um so Denise Minna has written a number of mystery books, and there are a couple of different series and a couple of different standalone books as well. So you can kind of start wherever you want. Um, Patty Miha is uh, in her 20s. She's a journalist and she's working at this daily paper, just kind of starting out with her career. I think in the first book in the series, she's like fresh into this job. Um, and so in this one, she's like in it a little bit more. They all take place in like the 1980s, um, and it's set in Glasgow specifically. Um, and Patty is on the night shift for her career. Um, so basically she drives around and listens to, uh, the police radio and then just sort of shows up at different scenes depending on what comes up on the radio. Um, so one night she shows up at a house because there's been a domestic disturbance and she like goes up to the door to talk to the guy who's there um and he it when she arrives it seems like the cop knows the man who's at the door and is going to let him off because they're like buddies or something along those lines and so when she goes up there he's like super aggressive and ends up like slipping her a $50 note in order to bribe her to get her to go away and then like slams the door in her face uh but before he slams the door she actually sees the woman who's been hurt like through around the corner or something along those lines and kind of make makes eye contact with her to see if like she wants help and the girl or the woman says like shakes her head no um and then so patty ends up leaving the next day she wakes up she turns on the news and it turns out that that woman is found dead so patty's in this complicated situation because one she has this 50 dollar note that she's not supposed to have because you know she's a journalist and she's not supposed to be bribed to not talk about this event um two she now knows things that happened at the scene of the crime um but she feels very like conflicted because she actually comes from like a very poor family um she's helping to support her mother and some of her siblings and so part of her was actually going to keep the 50 dollars and not say anything about it uh but now that the woman's been murdered there's a little bit of blood on the money she knows she needs to turn it in and like help the police out and things like that um the man who is at the door is not like turns out to not be like the woman's husband or boyfriend or anything like that and patty can't seem to like figure out what exactly is really going on in this situation um the editor at her paper ends up finding out that she was at that scene of the crime and so now she's sort of like looking into what's actually going on here um and then i think a couple of days after this woman is murdered another man is found dead and it's debating about whether or not it's like death by suicide or if he was actually murdered because he was found in the water um and that man was dating or at least knew the female victim from the previous murder um so patty starts looking into all of this and it starts to get really complicated um so that's the general gist of the story i really enjoyed this a lot um it's very much a slow burn sort of mystery so there isn't a lot of action it's a lot of character development um i've seen other people recommend denise minna as like a sort of comp for tana french and i can definitely see why she would get that comp it has that very like working class like obviously this is scottish and 
ton of French is Irish. So it's not the same, but there is somewhat of a similar vibe of that, like working class class. Uh, some of the people there are like very hardcore Catholic and things like that. Um, complicated family relationships, cap- complicated main characters, things like that. Um, Patty is someone who is not someone who always makes smart choices. Like there were lots of times in this book where I wanted to uh, yell at the main character for making dumb decisions, but it's because she has like her own baggage that she's dealing with. Um, yeah, it's one of those books where like if you are someone who likes complicated characters. I think that you'll like this book. Um, there's a lot in here about the tensions between Catholics and Protestants, which is a thing I always forget is such a big deal in like Scotland, Ireland, certain parts of England, things like that, or de- and especially depending on um, what year the stories are set in, things like that. It can be like slightly more contentious. Um, so that plays a role in this story as well. Um, but yeah, she is just like, a strong female character. I hate using like that sort of typical stereotypical uh, phrasing, but she is a character who is compelling, but is complicated. And but she's also somewhat good at her job, but she's also really green. So she's not great at her job yet. Um, So yeah, I found it to be kind of compelling. It's one of those mysteries where it's less about who did it and more about the why, um, because you do get a couple of different perspectives. So it's less about um, you kind of figure out like who did the crime pretty early on, but you don't necessarily understand the why and the connections between all the characters. And so that's sort of like the what keeps you going. So if you are someone who's okay with slower uh, mysteries or like more slow burn types of stories, then I definitely recommend picking the series up. Um, so again, the one that I read is called The Dead Hour. Um, but the first one in the series is called Field of Blood. And that's by Denise Mina. Well, I'm glad you read one of her books because she's been on my TBR for a little while. So I'm definitely interested to read one of her books. So the book that I picked um, is called His Bloody Project by Graham McRae Burnett. Um, Funny story about this book um, before I jump into the actual story. So I've had a copy of this book um, for the last, oh, I don't know, maybe a couple of years or so sitting on my bookshelf. And when we decided to do Scottish Mysteries, I went, oh, I've been here. I've heard good stuff about this book. I own it. I'll read it. So I got part of the way through reading it. I'm enjoying it. And then all of a sudden the story just stopped making sense. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm just like, none of this makes sense. And then it took me about 10 minutes. And then I looked down. I was missing 20 pages from my copy of the book. It was not like this wasn't a library book. No one ripped out the pages. There were literally like 20 plus pages missing from my copy. And so I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. So thankfully, my library had a copy of it. So I checked it out yesterday. And do you think I remembered to bring it home? Absolutely not. So I had to go on Hoopla and download the ebook version of it. But um, thankfully, I did finish it last night. It is really, really interesting. So thankfully, all of my effort to make to get a copy of this book and then finish it paid off. So I'm very happy about that. Um, so the cool thing about this book, well, first of all, it was on the long list for I think it was the 2016 um, Man Booker Prize. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my copy. It was it was on the long list. So you know, this this book is legit. It's written as if 
it's a true crime novel. Um, the crime in it's not, it is fictional, but you really forget that when you're reading this. It feels so real. Um, but the, the crime takes place in 1869 in this really remote part of Scotland, like, where the people, you know, are, are ba the, the way their society is set up. It's, you know, they have this tiny village. The people are working their, their, their tract of land. And you have like a constable that oversees everything and makes sure that everyone's, you know, working the land correctly and stuff. And so you, so it's not at all like a modern day society. It just kind of throws you in this environment. And they're, um, at the beginning, of the book, and even just in the description of it, uh, the the killer is Roderick McRae. He's 17 years old. He has killed three people, or three of his neighbors. Uh, they're all part of the same family. He has just brutally murdered them. There is no question that he has done it. He has come out of their house with the weapon in hand, covered in blood. He did it. So now the question is, why did he do it, and, it, and was he insane? So the story is told, it's someone, to, uh, a review I read of it kind of described it as kind of like a found footage movie, except in books. So the story is told through, like, newspaper articles, uh, the Roderick's uh, prison memoir that he writes that basically accounts for the time leading up to the murders as kind of a, a confession or an explanation of why he why he did it. You have um view you have viewpoints um or uh, passages from a book written by a psychologist who interviews McCray after he's been put in uh after he's been put in jail. Um there accounts from the trials. It feels so real. And the thing with this book, like I tore through the last half, maybe two-thirds of the book last night, it is so atmospheric. Like, you just, you feel like you are, you are in the Highlands. The way that they describe, the way he describes the, the village, the people, the, you know, the day-to-day -day lives, the, the weather, the, the environment, the scenery, it's just, you feel like you're in the middle of Scotland. And, it just immerses you in this story. Um, and so it doesn't, because you know who did it, like, there aren't any, there aren't any big, you know, gotcha moments, there aren't any like really big twists. Um, but it really plays with the idea of the unreliable narrator, because the first uh, viewpoint that you get is Roderick McRae. The, the first part of the book that you read is his memoir, that he writes when he's in prison, explaining it. And it's so compelling that you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 this is, you know, this is what happened. But then as you see these other documents from these other people that have different perspectives, you start going, oh, wait a minute. He may not be totally forthcoming with some of this stuff. And it's really subtle. And they're like, they're a little, like, you might be reading parts and like a little flag will go up and go, hey, wait a minute, that doesn't seem, that seems weird. But you just, you're so taken in by this story that you just, you just keep reading and you, there's, it's so compellingly done. Like, I'm trying not to, like, divulge too much of, like, the plot, because the, the plot itself is actually, is actually kind of interesting. But it's, it's so, so well done. 
and so well crafted that this is a book that even though like if you read it just kind of on the surface, you go, okay, yeah, this was an interesting book, very atmospheric, glad I read it. But the more you stop and think about it, the more you want to go back and reread it. Because now that you once you have a full view of what the documents outline and what the overall picture is, you want to go back and reread it and find the things that you may not have picked up on the first time. It is masterfully done. Like, yeah, I, this is one of the most well-crafted books I have, I have read in a long time. It is so well done. So it, the, the lead up, um, or at least the first half of the book is, is, um, a slower pace. It's, um, you know, as, Historical fiction often tends to be a little bit slower, but I find I found myself reading like every word, even if nothing was happening on the page. I just found myself just completely immersed in it. I will give a um a content warning. There are a couple of mentions of rape in the book. They're not gra- they're not graphically described, but they are in there. So, and it's not obvious from reading the book that that is the case. So, I do want to put I do want to throw that out there. Um, but otherwise, it is just so masterfully done. Um, so I'm actually really excited to read it again. Like, I've just been talking about it and going, oh, I actually really want to read it again now. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're into, like, whether it's historical crime, um, or fiction that reads like nonfiction, or just really, really like dark atmospheric stories, you have to read His Bloody Project by Graham McRae Burnett. All right. So if you have any suggestions or recommendations for us regarding Scottish mysteries, feel free to send them our way. We're always happy to hear about uh, books that you guys are enjoying, or if you've read either of these authors or books, feel free to talk to us about that as well. Um, and again, as Katie mentioned at the top of the episode, this was a reader recommendation uh, or reader request. Um, so we would love to get more of these. So feel free to send us more suggestions for future episodes. All right, so I'm gonna gonna follow that up with even more talking. Woohoo! Um, I've got the new releases for the next week or two. Um, so the first new release is one that we have mentioned a couple of times um, on different episodes, but it is finally out, and it's called "Speaking of Summer" by Kalisha Buchanan. On a cold December evening, Autumn Spencer's twin sister, Summer, walks to the roof of their shared Harlem brownstone and is never seen again. The door to the roof is locked, the snow only holds one set of footprints, and faced with authorities indifferent to another missing black woman, Autumn must pursue the search of her sister all on her own. With her friends and neighbors, Autumn pretends to hold up through the crisis, but the loss becomes too great, the mystery too inexplicable, and Autumn starts to unravel, all the while becoming obsessed with the various murders of local women and the men who kill them, thinking that their stories and society's complacency towards them might shed light on what really happened to her sister. Um, this is a fast-paced literary thriller of Urban peril, victim invisibility, a fight to discover the complicated truths at the heart of every family. Um, I know this is a book that I have been really interested to read because of this idea of victim invisibility and trying, you know, find, you know, learning which, you know, which crimes matter and whose deaths matter and whose don't in the, in the eyes of the law. Um, but again, that is Speaking of Summer by Kalisha Buchanan, and that is out today. Um, as in Tuesday the 30th. So by the time that you guys are listening, you can go out and pick up a copy of this. Also, I think this book gets my vote for the most gorgeous cover of 2019. I'm just saying. Agreed. 
yeah, it's, oh my god, it's spectacular. Um, next, we have The Birthday Girl by Melissa De La Cruz, which comes out next Tuesday, August 6th. Again, August, it's here. Um, Ellie de Florence Stinson is celebrating her 40th birthday with a grand celebration in her fabulous house in Palm Springs. At 40, it appears that Ellie has everything that she ever wanted. A handsome husband, an accomplished college-age stepdaughter, beautiful 10-year-old girl, two adorable and rambunctious 6-year-old twin boys, well-appointed homes in Los Angeles, Park City, and Palm Springs, a thriving career as a well-known fashion designer, a glamorous circle of friends. Except, of course, in these types of stories, everything is not quite as perfect as it looks on the outside. Ellie is keeping many secrets, in fact. This isn't the first birthday celebration that hasn't gone as planned. There's a certain 16th birthday that she's tried really hard to forget, but hiding the skeletons of her past comes at a cost, and all of Ellie's secrets come to light on the night of her fabulous birthday party in the desert, where everyone who matters in her life shows up whether they were invited or not. Old and new friends and frenemies, stepdaughters and business partners, ex-wives and ex-husbands congregate, and the glittering facade of her life crumbles in one eventful night. Um, so again, that is The Birthday Girl by Melissa de la Cruz. If you, uh, if you enjoy books that take place over the course of a short time period, like one night or one day, this, and have some good psychological suspense thrown in, this sounds like the perfect book. And again, that comes out on next Tuesday on August 6th. And then, uh, we have The Wolf Wants In by Laura McHugh, uh, which is also out on August 6th. In a small town ravaged by the opioid crisis, a woman confronts a dark secret about her brother's shocking death, um, which is, also listed as a good suggestion for fans of Sharp Objects or the podcast S-Town. Um, so if those, so if you are a fan of either of those, listen up. Uh, Sadie Keller is determined to find out how her brother died, even if no one else thinks it's worth investigating. Untimely deaths are all too common in rural Blackwater, Kansas, where crime and overdoses are on the rise, and the small town police force is consumed with the recent discovery of a child's skull in the woods. Sadie is on her own, delving into the dark corners of a life her brother kept hidden and unearthing more questions than answers. 18-year-old Henley knows more than she'd like to about the seedy side of Blackwater, and she's desperate to escape before she's irreparably entangled in her family's crimes. She dreams of disappearing and leaving her old life behind, but shedding the past is never easy, and getting out of town will be far more dangerous than she ever imagined. As more bones are found in the woods, time is running out for Sadie to uncover the truth and for Henley to make her escape. Both women are torn between family loyalties and the weight of the secrets they carry, knowing full well that while some secrets are hard to live with, others will get you killed." Um, I also want to point out, uh, Laura McHugh has written a couple of other books. She wrote The Weight of Blood, which about like five years ago, which I read and which was really, really good. And then she wrote Arrowwood, I think it's called, um, a few years after that, which I have not read, but I've heard really good things about. Um, so if you have read any of her previous books and enjoyed them, uh, just know she has her newest one is coming out next week. And again, that is called The Wolf Wants In. And then finally, we have an honorary mention. Um, also coming out on August 6th is The Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware. I don't really need to make any other mention other than Ruth Ware has a new book coming out. It is bound to be a crowd pleaser. Um, all of her books so far have been bestsellers, have been, have been really interesting. So her latest one is coming out very shortly. And again, that is called The Turn of the Key. 
So now we're going into what we've been reading lately or what we plan on reading. Um, unfortunately, Katie's not going to get much of a break because I haven't finished anything. Uh, but I did want to say that I watched the entirety of the new season of Veronica Mars, which is the main reason why I didn't finish a whole lot recently. Um, and it was fantastic. I have been a fan of Veronica Mars since day one. Like I legitimately remember being in high school and sitting down on my couch in my living room and watching the pilot episode as it aired on UPN and like being blown away by it from day one. So I am a ride or die fan for Veronica Mars. And I've always been like slightly hesitant about like these new adaptations or releases and things like that that are coming out with it. Uh, the movie to me felt very fan servicey. And while it was fun, it wasn't anything that like blew me away or anything like that. I just thought it was fun for fun's sake. Uh, So for this, I had relatively level expectations, but it was so good. It reminded me of old school Veronica Mars. Um, It's only eight episodes and I marathoned all of them. And I'm not a television marathoner like I watch usually I usually dole out my TV shows over the course of like a week or two depending on how long it is. Um, But I watched it over the course of an entire weekend and I loved it so much. It hooks you from the beginning. The mystery is great. Um, By the time I hit like episode four, I was like, well, I can't stop watching now. (laughs) And so it just keeps going. It keeps ramping up the stakes as each episode continues. Um, I'm not going to talk about anything spoilery. But if you've watched it, uh, the last episode broke my heart. A lot of people are very upset by the last episode, but I am not. um, And I'm willing to discuss things with you on like Twitter or email because I don't want to spoil things for people who haven't watched it yet. But if you are someone who enjoyed Veronica Mars in the past and were debating about whether or not to watch this season, I think it's worth it personally. But just know that some people are mad by the way it ended, but I'm okay with it. So I'll just (laughs) leave it at that. I can't remember if I mentioned on the last episode, but that sounds kind of like how Blaine and I fi- finish up like every season of Stranger Things. It's like, well, we're four episodes in. We can't stop now. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, well, I was lucky enough that when I hit that point, it was like Saturday. And so I was like, well, I guess this is just what I'm doing today. <laughs> Yeah, it helps if you can time it so that it's on a weekend. Yeah, our problem was that we started watching Stranger Things like in the middle of the week and like I had to go to work and stuff. And um, so that that got drawn out a little bit longer than we had had anticipated. Um, if anyone's curious, I, I did not watch Veronica Mars, but I do have some thoughts and feelings about season three of Stranger Things. <laughs> Anyway, um, I have actually finished a couple of books that I said I was going to finish. So I am proud of myself for keeping up with that. Um, I did finish The Need by Helen Phillips, um, which is a, was a lot more literary than I was anticipating. Um, it's a, it is a suspense novel. Um, it starts off from the perspective of a mother. She's got two young children that she both loves and is completely exhausted by, as I'm sure many mothers can relate to. Um, but at the beginning of the book, uh, there is an intruder in the house. And that's basically all I'm going to say about the plot, because that's about all I knew about the plot going into it. And it's really bonkers. In fact, I'm actually I am not going to say what the book reminded me of, because that kind of gives away part of it if I it's a spoilery recommendation which is kind of annoying because I feel like it does get at what it feels like but I don't want to really give away too much of the book um it's quite trippy it's very it's interesting it's 
It's well written. Like I said, it's definitely on the literary end of suspense where not everything makes a ton of sense and you're not going to get a ton of answers by the end of the book. Um, and it says a lot about being a, a mother in modern times and kind of what that feels like to have to give something of yourself every day constantly to you, to your children and then have something for your husband and like all this other stuff. Um, so it does have a lot of statements about that, which were, um, which were definitely interesting and mildly terrifying as someone who does not currently have kids. Um, but is a short book. It does go pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it was definitely interesting. Um, so I finished that. That was The Need by Helen Phillips. Um, and then I finished listening to Killers of the Flower Moon by David Gran. Um, I listen, I listened to it on audio. I don't know if I would make the recommendation to listen to it. Um, you, this book is ha like it was really interesting, and I think it really picked up in the second half of the book. Leading up to it, there is so much setup that the story does, like, um, because it tells the story of the murders of the Osage Indians in Oklahoma. Because in the early 1900s, the U.S. government relocated them to this part to this this area of land in Oklahoma, as the U.S. government tends to do. Um, but what the U.S. government did not know is that they relocated the Osage to a, to an area of Earth that was extremely oil rich. Um, so once they discovered this and the U.S. was like, oh, and other, um, business owners are like, oh, hey, we want to get in on this. Um, they were paying royalties to the Osage. And so for a couple of decades, they were the, I think they, I think the book said they were the wealthiest people per capita. Definitely in the country, possibly in the world, um, just in terms of the money that was coming in from, from the oil and how much the oil was worth. Um, but at the time, there were also these systems set up in place where the, they had, I can't remember if they were, what they were called sponsors or guardians or, um, they basically had white men looking over their money, um, because they didn't believe that the, that the Osage were competent to look after their, their own finances. Um, and so some of these people were deemed incompetent and weren't able to have control of their money. Um, but what started happening in the twenties is that some of the, these, in, these, um, Native Americans were being murdered and, they were being murdered systematically so that certain people could get control of their fortunes. And so the first part of the book sets that up. Second part of the book sets up the, um, the main, uh, FBI agent who comes in and investigates, talks about the, it talks about the investigation, the, um, the subsequent trial of the person, uh, slash persons who are responsible. Um, so it kind of goes into the particulars. And then the last section of the book looks at the, cause they talk about these crimes, but then in the author's own investigations, realizing this was a much, much more widespread problem than just one person trying to get you know, one or two or just a couple of people trying to get control over the, these fortunes. I mean, it, it talks about like the intense racism at the time in the community, um, and just how cold blooded or how these people were, were just murdered in cold blood for their, for their money. And just, you know, they were not, they were not seen as human. They were not, they were, they were seen as animals basically. And that was horrifying. 
it's it gives you a lot to think about and it's a part of history that until this book was released i had no idea that this had ever happened but in these communities and um with the people who have who have Osage heritage, like these are scars that are carried through from generation to generation. And some people, you know, some of them have relatives that just disappeared in the 1920s and the 1930s. No one knew, knows what happened to them. Um, so they carry these scars from generation to generation, and it's just heartbreaking and horrifying. Um, but I would try, I would actually recommend reading the book um, they had, with the three sections, they each, each one of them had a different narrator, which was a little odd. Like, each narrator was fine, but it kind of made the whole listening experience a little choppy. And the book has a bunch of pictures in it. <laughs> so, with true crime, especially historical true crime, I love seeing pictures so that I can put a face to a name. And they have the pictures kind of, like, throughout the book. So, it's not, like, just one section in the middle that you can, like, flip, flip ahead to, like... Um, they have pictures throughout, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, but I think definitely worth a read. Um, and again, that is Killers of the Flower Moon by David Grand. And then as far as what I'm starting, I'm, uh, I still have my copy of Theme Music by T. Marie Vandelli, which Rincey talked about last episode. It's supposed to be super dark, super gory, super scary and suspenseful. And I'm like, okay, I am all in. So I still have my copy on hold from the library. Hopefully I will get to that soon. Um, and then I do have a finished copy of Speaking of Summer by Kalisha Buchanan. Uh, which I know I have mentioned reading uh, previously. Hopefully now I will finally be able to get to it. All right. So that's our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Uh, for show notes, you can head to bookriot.com slash listen. There will be links to all of the uh, news articles that we talked about at the top of the show, as well as links to all of the books that we mentioned here in this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can discover us. If you want to send us an email, you can email us at dead at bookriot.com. Feel free to send us future episode suggestions, or if you just want to send us general comments or questions or tell us what books you have been enjoying lately anything like that we are happy to uh get those and to read them um otherwise you can find me on twitter and instagram i am at rincy a and i'm on twitter at kt underscore library lady and we will talk to you guys next time bye bye